0: Good morning and welcome. My name's Adam. We're so glad that you are with us. If you're in this area of the world, New England, it is sunny. It is hot. I'm speaking to a camera. and I'm wondering how many of you may be watching this from the beach. If you are, remember the suntan lotion. Uh, I don't want anyone to get too burnt today. For some of us, we are beginning to be able to see people again in small groups. I'm aware that that isn't the case for everybody, And for those that uh, can't meet yet in small numbers, we miss you, and we're glad that you can join us electronically. But for some of us, we are able to meet together in small groups. As a church, we encourage the idea of, of gathering in what we call circles, small groups of people, people in your circle, people that you know, maybe friends from church or friends from your neighborhood, and to watch the service together and have some tea and coffee and pray for each other. And last Sunday, we did that. My family did that for the first time. And it was great. It was good to see real faces, not just Zoom-sized faces on a screen of people. So if you can do that, may I encourage you as we kind of begin to reconnect in community that that's a great way to meet with people. One of the things that we learned last Sunday is that the laptop that we were watching this live service on wasn't very loud. So we needed to buy a speaker because we needed more power. And today, this week, I want to look at the subject of power. What does it mean? I want to look at this Bible passage as we continue our journey through Acts. But I want to look at the subject of what does it mean to have true power? Let me give you a story uh, that happened this week. This week, I received a call, and it was one of those calls where you look at your phone and you don't know the number. Um, It didn't flash up as spam, so I answered the call, and the person said, congratulations, you have won a free vacation. Instantly, there was something in me that was like, oh, wait a minute, here we go. But there was also something in me that continued to listen. And this person clearly was reading a script. And I tried to jump in a number of times to to ask them, what have I won? What have I won? And this person kept going through the script. And in the end, the conversation led in the direction of, if you buy this vacation, then you've won a free vacation, which I said, well, wait a minute. So I haven't won anything. You're trying to sell me something. And if I buy something, then I get this. And this person kept trying to sell me. And in the end, I said, look, thank you, but no thank you. I tell the story because of this. Sometimes we can be presented with something, like a free vacation, and it is lacking. It isn't the real deal. It's hollow. It's not real. I want to look today at the subject of power that is real, power that isn't hollow, power that is genuine. What does it mean? To, to know and to see this power that ultimately comes from God. And we're going to look at this passage in Acts 4. We're continuing our journey through Acts. And as we have been, we're going to have someone read to us. This is a great opportunity to hear different voices, see different faces of people that are part of our church. So today we are going to read Acts 4, and Tracy is going to read it to us now. Thank you, Tracy.
1: Acts 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Cappius, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name unto heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes? to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all of the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign, Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All of the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the feet of the apostles. And it was distributed to anyone who needed it. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the
0: apostles' feet. Thank you, Tracy. I love a good story. And this passage is a big story. It's an an action story. There's so much going on. There is this memory of this recent healing, and Peter and John are giving a defense for that and There is this courtroom scene, and then there's this moment where they cry out for more of God's power. It's a powerful story. So powerful words, powerful moments, powerful move of God. Where does power come from? I want to answer that question early. I want to make this succinct, and I want to land this in such a way that if you only remember one thing, I want you to remember this. Power comes from God. It doesn't come from us. Power comes from God. He is the source. Jesus is the source. You may know some powerful people. Power isn't something that you see on the outside. Sometimes people kind of present power like it's something that they wear, like a badge or a t-shirt. But power comes from within. And power, ultimately, positive, good power comes from God. I attended a conference A number of years ago. And there was a person there who I would describe as a powerful person. They were big and tall and they had a strong voice. But this person led a big church in one of the southern states of the USA. And it was a mega church. And this person was full of stories of powerful stories. And he told them frequently. He was a big, powerful person. His son was also in attendance at the conference. His son was probably 19 or 20 years old. And his son carried himself in a similar fashion to the way his father did. He carried himself with power and he told these stories, which were his father's stories. He told them like they were his own. And it was kind of annoying at first. There was an element, the cynic in me was like, who is this kid who talks like he's achieved so much when realistically he's 19 or 20 years old? And then in hindsight, I noticed something this son of the megachurch leader was onto something. His assumed power that wasn't his own was because of the relationship that he had with his father. It was because of his father's achievements that he carried himself in this way. For us, as sons and daughters of God, people who know and love and are working out what it means to follow Jesus, we are adopted sons and daughters. So, like the slightly annoying son of the megachurch leader, we can have a power that is not our own, but is ultimately from God, who is a loving father. And it's because of his achievement, not ours. It's because of what he has done, not because of what we have done or have not done. There's something we can learn from the slightly annoying son of the megachurch leader. So in this passage, I want to look at a few elements of it that stand out. Acts 1 verse 4. I want to read this again. Acts 1 verse 4 says this, The priest and the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. So I want to give you some historical context. Not many weeks has passed since the arrest, the trial, and the crucifixion of Jesus, and this is the same court. This is the same people. Anas, the senior high priest, and Cephas was the reigning high priest. These very people were involved in the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. I wonder what was going on in Peter and John's mind. They were aware, they were there, they saw everything. I wonder if they were considering, is history about to repeat itself again? And is it now our turn to be nailed on a cross? Now, in that context, you would assume that there would be fear and there would be uncertainty. This is the beginning of persecution for the new young church. And persecution usually has a power to silence people. Often we talk about people that don't have a voice, the persecuted people. But in this context of persecution, Peter and John's voice gets louder and their confidence rises. There is a power in this message that doesn't diminish but increases and flourishes. I believe that the gospel message isn't meant to shrink in times of persecution and challenge, but is meant to grow. And the power of the gospel is proclaimed louder in tough times. It doesn't dilute. Sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we feel the opposite of power. Sometimes when hard times happen or things don't go to plan, we feel unable and incompetent. But true power changes that. True power that comes from God changes that. There's a beautiful passage in the Old Testament, in the, in the uh, writing of the prophet Isaiah. I'll read it to you now. Isaiah 40, verse 30 to 31 says this. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint we all at times feel the opposite of power we all at times feel weak because power ultimately doesn't come from us but as this passage tells us those who hope in the lord Will renew their strength. I don't know what's going on in your life at the moment. I don't know how your week is going. You may not feel particularly powerful right now. May I encourage you to be counted among those who hope in the Lord, because ultimately, as I've said, power comes from God. He is the source. So in this story, in this Acts 4 passage, in this courtroom scene, The apostles' defense is strong. It's powerful. They have a confidence that when you consider the context and the recent history of the crucifixion of Jesus and that same courtroom scenario, they have an incredible confidence that when they're challenged, they don't shrink. They grow. They defend themselves. I want to consider this for a moment. I'll tell you a story. I don't make a habit of driving faster than the speed limit suggests. But there has been an occasion when a policeman asked me to slow down and to not drive as fast as I was at the time when the policeman saw me drive. It was the classic scene where I was pulled over and the police officer said, do you know how fast you are driving? Which is a question where you know that they probably know the answer. My answer to the policeman was, no, uh, I don't. He said, well, I do. And he told me the speed that I was driving. I was driving too fast. Now, in that moment, I was sorry. I was sincere. I was apologetic. I don't have any points on my license for offenses of this nature. Uh, And I was sincere. Now, it would have been very risky to argue my case. I could have turned around and said, well, actually, Mr. Police Officer, when the when, when the, the road was built and when this speed limit was assigned, car technology wasn't as good as it is today. Tire technology has improved, and our cars and the way they brake is much better than when the speed limits were agreed many years ago. Technology has improved, and I could have argued that case, and I could have had some grounds, but it would have been a foolish argument to make. But in this courtroom, in this context, where Peter and John are challenged, They don't apologize for the potential offense of their message, but their confidence in the message grows. There's something I want to show you where this confidence comes from. In the passage in Acts 4, we read this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, no other name. And then finally, there is no other name by which we are saved. There are these four swift mentions of the name of Jesus because power comes from and is present and active and permeates, it flows from the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus doesn't shrink us. It makes us grow. It gives us strength. There is power in the name of Jesus. So how do you obtain this power? These disciples, for them, they didn't start with a lot of power. If you read the end of the Gospels, they're weak and they're feeble, but they're filled with a presence of the holy spirit and the holy spirit always points to jesus and as i've said power comes from god he is the source they are accused of preaching proclaiming god's goodness and they weren't scholars they weren't studied they were normal people like you and me but they knew the power and presence of god and they couldn't keep it to themselves there's this beautiful passage that's tucked away in the middle of this verse which i want to i want to really highlight to you i want to illustrate to you and i want to ask you to respond to this in your own way in verse 13 it says this when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There's two elements of this passage I want to ask you to consider. The first element is there is this recognition that these men, these people are not special. They're not extra talented, extra educated. They're ordinary people. I believe that the gospel and the power of God is for everybody and for anybody the very ordinary people like you and me. All we need to do is say yes and and welcome the goodness and the power that is the name of Jesus. I believe that the power and the presence of Jesus that enables followers of Jesus to perform these signs and wonders is also available for everybody. I believe that God speaks and we can all hear his voice. Sometimes we talk about this gift called prophecy, which is to make it simple. God speaks, we hear, and we communicate what we've heard. I believe that's for everybody. I want to encourage you, if you are meeting in circles, in small groups of people, I want to encourage you to pray for each other. And I want to encourage you to listen and to speak. It's not just my role. It's not just someone in my position, somebody holding a microphone at the front of a church service who can speak The word of God to you. You can read scripture, you can hear God, and you can speak what you're hearing and seeing. Everybody and anybody can do that. I want to encourage you to do that in your circles. And then finally, to bring this passage together, this huge passage which is full of the power and presence of God. Where does it come from? It comes from God, He is the source. But there's this beautiful sentence they realized that these people had been with Jesus. Ultimately, the power, the presence of God comes from spending time with Jesus. I love the idea that these people are known not just because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles, as good as that is, but what they're noted for, what stands out. It's almost like there's a perfume, there's a smell. You can sense something. That there is this awareness that these people have been with Jesus. May I encourage you to be one of those people who is known as someone who has spent time with Jesus. It's often said that we become like the people we spend time with, we pick up character traits, we, we learn different words, we're often changed by the company that we keep. May I encourage you ultimately that yes power comes from God, he is the source, but it comes from spending time with Jesus. Not knowing where you are on your faith journey for some, you may not know where you are. You may not even know if you have a faith journey. I want to encourage you that today you can respond. And for some of us, we've had a faith journey for a long time. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were known as someone who has spent time with Jesus? And as they meet you this week, as they talk with you this week, as, they inter- as people interact with you this week, may they sense this person is someone who has spent time with Jesus. I want to pray and I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. If you don't know where you are on this faith journey, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer along the lines that says, Jesus, I've messed up and I've missed the mark. And I know that and I recognize that. And I don't need to look inside of my life for long to find those things. Jesus, I want to invite you in. I want to be someone who spent time with Jesus. I want to exchange my life as it has been for a life that is good and is present and is with you. I want to encourage you to pause and to pray a prayer like that. And then for others, for many of us who we believe and we're working it out, but there's times when the idea of the power of God seems, seems absent, seems somewhere else. You can't stoke the fire. You can't create power yourself, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you pray. God is the source. Power comes from him. May you be known as somebody. May we be known as a church that these people have been with Jesus. Lord, that is our prayer today. That is our hope, Father, that we will be known as people who have spent time with Jesus. Amen. If you're watching this on your own and you would like somebody to pray with you, uh, send us an email, prayer at ssccma.com, and we'll respond to you this week. We have a prayer team. We'll contact you and we'll pray with you. Uh, we'll listen to your story and we'll invite you to join the story that God is doing. Anyone and everyone can respond. And if you're meeting together today with others, may I encourage you, yeah, have some tea and coffee, but uh, pray through each other and be open to the idea that the power and presence of God is available for everybody and anybody. So pray through each other and be open to what God may do in your life. May you this week and know the person and the presence of Jesus. And may you be known as somebody who has spent time with Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Keep up with us over social media and the other activities that we do in the week. Have a great week.